evening and good night, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jake Newton, and you are listening to Shark Brain. I am your host, taking you through the darker recesses of what it is to be an artist in the 21st century. How are you? Ah, what a day. This episode is going up a little bit late. For those of you who might be following me closely, you'll know that it didn't come out Monday morning because I had a gig Sunday night doing a benefit. I didn't really advertise it because, um... Well, you know, I I don't know why I didn't advertise it. Maybe it's a problem with me. But that being said, I keep my CDs down under the house. Got a bunch of boxes of them. Yeah, I know. CDs, right? Let's sell those suckers. So I roll down to the house, underneath it rather, open up the door to the basement. And it sounds like somebody's taking a shower down there, but uh, there's not a shower in the basement. There's There's merely just basement, just dirt and pipes overhead. And in the far corner of the house, there is a puddle of water. And one of these, uh, one of the leads coming out of the sink upstairs in our bathroom is just spraying everywhere, just creating a bog of mud and grime. And it smells like Pirates of the Caribbean on a hot summer day down there. It's crazy. Luckily, I mean, it didn't seem like it was too crazy with uh, the, the damage. It was going on. It wasn't spraying on any uh, masonry board or something like that. Masonry board. I wouldn't uh, mason. I don't know. Suffice it to say, I. For those of you who listened to the episode called "The Lost Year," I spent about five or six months working as a uh, as a plumber, and so uh, that came in handy. As luck would have it, my parents were in town visiting, so yeah, we uh, we had to fill up a bunch of pots of water for potable usage, and. Uh, Spent the morning, me and my dad, hunting around the local hardware store, the do-it-yourselfer over here on York, and uh, yeah, fought through it, fixed it, made things happen, actually patched it up the right way with solder and flux and the whole thing, just like I did, oh, those many months building that Holiday Inn in the middle of farm country, California. Yes, we did it. Actually, you know, um, it was great. I I knew how to I knew how to fix it. I mean, you know, it was hell on wheels when I had to actually do that for a living, but now that it was my house and I I fixed it on my own, I felt a bit of pride, especially you know with my dad standing next to me asking me if it was the right thing and and genuinely going to me for advice on how to do it. It felt like a weird watershed moment, a weird kind of passing of the torch, so to speak. So we fixed that up. Otherwise, I would have been up the proverbial creek. Um and uh, and all that stuff. So that's that's why this episode isn't coming out uh, in a timely fashion. And I feel really bad about it because I know that some some people have expressed that they really look forward to it. It's part of their Monday ritual, and I like my rituals as well. I can get a little bit OCD about things, and if things get disrupted, I can uh, I can get a certain sense of doom that builds within me. And uh, I apologize for anything that I I inst- incited within you about that. Yeah. But it's been crazy this last week. I'm striving and I'm pushing and I'm kicking. And I'm attempting a lot of things, guys. I don't want to talk to a, uh, talk to you about them too specifically because they're not really anything yet. They're the promise. They're the the whisper of hope towards something. So I'm, I'm jumping back in the acting game. I had been taking a break, as some of you well know, for about six or seven years because I came to acting believing that it was the church of acting and that we were all moving towards a specific goal and dream and aspiration and desire, when in reality, we were just trying to get the shot before lunch. That And that's totally fine, but 
I had my head wedged firmly up my ass about a lot of things as it pertains to that, and uh, and I took a break, you know, coupled with uh, with a f- couple nervous breakdowns and uh, moving away from Los Angeles and coming back. Uh, needed a while to build myself back up, but you know what? I'm back. I'm fucking back, and I'm ready. I'm ready to work. So that's what I've been doing. I've been auditioning like a banshee, and I've been writing the next record. I've been uh, been buying gear, fell down the gear hole a little bit, and uh, spending money I don't have to make the record to help legitimize myself. There's just some something funny about the DIY culture as far as uh, making your own records and that kind of thing. Realizing that at a certain point you're kind of gilding the lily in a lot of ways. What I need to make the kind of record that I want to make is not necessarily what a producer needs to help. Pr- make the kind of multifaceted different albums for each individual client that he's got. I've got everything that I need to make the records that I want to make. Yet for some reason, I feel this pressing, bizarre need to buy a new piece of gear to help legitimize myself, almost paint myself into a corner to say to myself, hey, you know what? You have to make that song now. You spent the better part of two grand on fill in the name of something. The better part of two grand. I think that's what I'm going to call my latter 20s and early 30s. Just the better part of two grand. Any time you want me to go up and down in my personal self-worth or maybe my mood, I can soar to the heavens or plummet down to the darker edges of the earth for just a couple grand. One way or another, plus or minus, red or black, I go up and down. But yeah, guys, I'm in a... I've been feeling a certain sense of uh, of the train moving, and I and it's going forward, and the songs are coming out, and they're coming out fast and good, and and uh, so I'll have something to to call from, you know, be able to pare things down and uh, and have a certain sense of of, of space with the songs, a, a a movement to it. Everything will kind of come from and complement itself. I don't know. I'm still in the process of it, and it's uh, it's making me a bit manic. Um, but I'm always a bit manic, so I mean, is it really? I don't know. It's the, those kind of questions that keep me up at night. No, that and uh, you know, retracing my steps, all of them from birth. <laughs> um. Anyway, this week on the show we've got Joel Eccles. We talk about growing up. All over the place. His dad was in the army. We'll talk all about it, but he had a crazy upbringing. Just shuffled back and forth to all manner of different places. Always being the new kid. How music got him through it. His wild days of uh, of touring from out of Atlanta. What he does now. As a matter of fact, he's making a record as I speak. He's making a record. And if you go to Pledge Music and look up Joel Eccles, I'll put a link to it on the blog page. You can pledge on his record. You can get tracks before anybody else. There's all kinds of different great prizes and cool stuff. You can get involved. You can put your money where your mouth is or put your money where your ears are. I don't know. There's an allegory there. I'm going to sharpen that up and I'm, and put it on T-shirts and sell them. But yes, go do it after listening to this interview or hell, you're a multitasker. You're a member of the 21st century. Listen to this podcast and pledge at the same time. You know, maybe you'll pledge more once you hear the podcast, but just do it, do it. He's a great guy, great musician, and he's worthy of all your time and attention. So get on it. Make it happen. We've been homesteading over here at the house, pickling vegetables and making yogurt, homemade yogurt, doing things that uh, are kind of pioneery, kind of 1950s. It's what we're doing. It's uh, 
It's part of our right and privilege. Searching and seeking for something true and honest, we seek to make our own food here at the Newton household. Heather, my wife, has really just gone deep into it, and it's uh, between that and the Olympics, we pretty much have a, a full dance card <laughs> for our lives. What can I tell you? Oh, hey, let me not forget about this. About a month and a half ago, more like two months back, a photographer called me up. He was doing this project called Americano Mondays. It's all about coffee culture. It's about uh, coffee appreciators. You know the guys, the really in it guys that uh, that have five thousand dollar machines and more, and, and digital scales for their coffee, and the vacuum tubes and pour over and all that stuff. Here's this photographer, Jeff Newton. Oddly, no relation. Maybe I don't know. Everyone's related, right? I digress. Anyway. I get an f- email from him uh, saying that he wants to do this project called Americano Mondays uh, and uh, wants to record people doing coffee shop style music and brings me in. I come out over to his studio in Hollywood. We film one of my new ones that I have that I have not released yet. I haven't even put up. There's no really YouTube of it yet. Uh, but if you go to Americano Mondays, I believe it is. Is that what it is? I should know this before I just start yammering on. Yes, AmericanoMondays.com. And you click on the tab that is AM Live Sessions. There's me and Peter Vidal, the lead singer of Act As If, a great local band, along with Julie Bell, with Brent Kutzel from uh, from uh, One Republic. There's three tunes up there. It's shot beautifully. I sing a new one. It's a sad one. It's a good sad one. It sounds sad, but it's actually really a nice warm-hearted song. It's called All For You. Check it out. Go there. I'll put a link up on the blog page. And continue to send me messages. Guys, I really appreciate you reaching out and saying what you think about the shows and giving me suggestions for future acts and, and, and even you know the stuff I talk about, offering me words of encouragement because I am not immune to the, uh, the slings and arrows. And uh, we're all in this together, right? We're just trying to figure out a way to navigate this bizarre onslaught of information. And, and I don't know, life is, is in general. It's heavy, bro. Bro, it's super heavy. <sighs> Sometimes I just hate me. <laughs> uh, okay, enough about me. Let's talk to Joel Eccles. Great guy. Great musician. Great podcast. The one, the only, Shark Brain. Where's the studio you went to? Uh, it's in Rhode Island. Rhode Island? Wow, dude. Wow, that's a... That's not the idea. No. I love how it's like... Live in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Home of the music industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to Rhode Island to record my record. <laughs> I've spent 14 years here. <laughs> trying to make it and find my way into the music industry and make records and now i'm going to mm. a small <laughs> little town in rhode island yeah i guess me. i mean that makes sense right i mean in a certain respect I mean, on paper it doesn't because you realize you know like all the big studios and blah 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 but we're here because we're here for the moments between the uh the the studio betwixt time. betwixt betwixt and between yeah i mean i i find i've i've recently learned that for me with music it's all about chasing an experience really mm-hmm. i mean it's all about finding that experience whether it's a live show mm-hmm. or writing a song yeah or recording in a studio mm-hmm. you know like i mean i've done stuff and maybe that's my own fault really mm-hmm. because 
you know, I'll, I'll do like a session in like somebody's apartment mm. yeah. and I maybe didn't have the experience that mm-hmm. I wanted for to document that song. Yeah. And then I, you know, like I don't think of it the same way as like, it, like mm. it, it's not right. Yeah. You know? And I'll like sabotage mm-hmm. it somehow in my head. And sometimes it's for good reason. It's just not the right yeah. situation. But a lot of times I have know. learned that, like, sometimes I've gone back on recordings forgetting completely how we recorded it. But mm-hmm. I listen back and I'm like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, a, what? Yeah. But I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's something to be said. I think for me it's about, it's the song documentation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm this, my songs are very, very important to me like mm-hmm. they are to any artist. Yeah. And, you know, when you're recording, you're always looking for the definitive Mm-hmm. representation of that song yeah. in a in a studio situation. Yeah, so, the most unvarnished thing that you know that nothing's getting in the way. Like that's, you know, a dead silence and just in that vacuum your song coming up through the speakers. And yeah, I, I agree with you. There's a lot of times, especially in the difference of uh, recording now and recording back when all of our heroes were recording, you know, it's it's egalitarian. Anyone can get, you know, anyone with 5 grand can get near perfect quality of recordings and their very own home you know all they need to do is just sure. take the time and money but there's something about you know going in to the studio and it being a, a place that you actually a specific place hallowed ground that's only for that it's like nah, yeah here's where i cut my vegetables but right now it's acting as an echo chamber you know yeah or like i poop in here but uh, <laughs> this is the only place i can get a clean vocal you know and right. that, it's a weird thing right and and for a long time um over the last month or so i've been like just pouring over like gear sluts and all those other like things looking for outboard gear because i felt like i need outboard gear to like mm-hmm. help justify my home recording when really it's like i i have a I have a 610 i've got a 002 i've got a TLM 103 i've got everything that i need to be man with guitar but for some reason i go like what if i get that 900 dollars preamp yeah. then my recording's yeah, going to be a real thing right yeah, there's a fine line for yeah, sure absolutely. it doesn't and i mean i do believe it doesn't take all the best gear and all mm-hmm. that stuff to make a great recording i i believe that but i mean there there's just something i mean when i i went to i ended up in rhode island in november mm-hmm. and uh you know for personal reasons and and decided to re i hadn't been back there i used to live there mm-hmm. basically um you know backing up i i lived in rhode island um out of, after college with mm-hmm. a band i was in mm-hmm. and uh, what was the band it was a band called Soul Food. Soul Food? Yeah. <laughs> we were acoustic rock. Nice. On the cutting edge. Yeah, what did you sound like? What was the, what was the vibe? The Indigo Guys. <laughs> Not even joking. Not even joking. Um, yeah. And uh, at the time, I mean, that was like, that was what was going on, uh-huh. really. I mean, and, and it was... When was like, this? Like 90... This was 93, probably. Okay. 93, 94. And... Um, you know, like I got turned on to Dave Matthews mm-hmm. through like little bootleg cassette tapes that my bandmate had. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you got to hear this guy. And I thought Dave Matthews was some old guy with a big beard. Yeah, he sounded aged and wise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then we went and saw him. There was like this show in Tallahassee where we went to college and, and uh, there's like 200 people there. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I was like, what is this all about? And I like people that I knew were in the audience. I'm like, wait, how do you know about this guy? Yeah. And then they just killed it on mm-hmm. stage. And I was like, wow. And so we started following. And so like he kind of like helped make the acoustic thing that mm-hmm. and, and like MTV Unplugged, which I was always a big fan of. Yeah. But that that really became like a, a big thing in the in that time in the mm-hmm. '90s. And so and we just you know I actually gave up my my you know 
project that I had started with this other guy that was going to be like Soundgarden mm-hmm. yeah. to go acoustic because I met this other songwriter guy who just kind of, you know, was like, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, like songwriting. That's like really like yeah. there's something cool about like really getting into songwriting and the, the, the folk thing. So it completely, you know, mm. I've diverged you a complete you left turn. And then through over the course of just, you know, a few different things to stay together we had an opportunity to go to newport and and have a summer job where we could all stay together and uh and we got hooked up in new england and Mm -hmm. played new york and stuff and we decided to move up there and just try it out wow so um we ended up recording our first record there and there's this guy steve rizzo that has a studio and everybody told us about him Mm -hmm. in portsmouth rhode island and 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 uh we got it hooked up to do our record there, and we spent two months in the studio with mm-hmm. him, all analog. Awesome. And the studio is just magic. I mean, it's it, mm-hmm. part of a horse stable. Oh, no and, kidding. And uh, he's been there for 30 years now, mm-hmm. and he's the coolest guy. It's like cool. Yoda. Wow. I swear. And and he's just really cool. And over the years now, I've gotten to be great friends with him. And so we reconnected, get to mm-hmm. get back to – reconnected in November and had dinner and caught up. And then, you know, he was like – Hey, you should come down to the studio one night and and let's track something just mm-hmm. for fun. It's on me. Yeah, I was like, oh, well, I gotta pass that. Yeah. Up. So we did that, and I put down this song that I have called "The Devil's Heart," mm-hmm. and uh, just ended up being me. I mean, we ended up talking and hanging out more than recording, and yeah. we just knocked this thing out. And it was it's like, the best, isn't it? Yeah, that's the best kind of hang. He had it all set up, ready to go. Put down, and I, um, Kristen Hirsch had been recording there, mm-hmm. and. Uh, from throwing muses and she oh, does yeah. her solo records there and um and her guitar was sitting there i picked up her guitar whatever it was tuned to mm-hmm. i just decided to to play yeah. it and yeah. and we, we got a couple takes of me doing the acoustic guitar and the vocal and it it's like well that's it yeah, yeah. layered a dremolo guitar over it and uh-huh. a bass drum and then the whole song was done and it just sounded like what i was going for you yeah know, like what i wanted and it just kind of hit me i was i had been looking for a, a place to record and record and, mm-hmm. and a new project how am i going to go about this to where it's going to be that experience mm-hmm. that that i was looking for and it just was like it's one of those things where it's like right in front of your face yeah. and so i was like i'm doing my record here and mm-hmm. that, that was kind of done deal Dude, that's that a point. that's a great way of doing it man i think that for the most part every artist has got to go away at some point in their career i mean obviously you can you know Make a record over a long period of time in your home or at, at at a studio, like sleeping in your own bed. But there's something about going away and going like that. I am here for one express purpose: yeah. is to just create this record, and that is it. Beyond everything else, my life is on hold. I've got the clothes that I brought with me, and that's it. And this yeah. notebook that hopefully is full of the songs that are supposed to be on this record. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not going to get much sleep, and you probably yeah. wouldn't get much sleep anyway during the making of a record. Right. So when you slated to do it, I'm leaving next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, how yeah. long are you going to be out? Two weeks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's just gonna be me and Steve. Yeah. And uh, I'm gonna do it as pared down as possible. Dude, some gonna... of my some of my favorite records are just two dudes in a room, like, like Ethan yeah. Johns and Ryan mm-hmm. Adams, and and any uh, tons of those records of just guys. Yeah. The, a, a lot of the later Lennon stuff in the '70s. Mm-hmm. It's just two guys just going like, "What's this? What's this? Boom." Yeah, and I find that too. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I've done so many attempts, or, and and. You know, good rec- good recordings with mm-hmm. with the band. I've had great musicians that have played with me and everything. And it's hard to capture a band thing mm-hmm. right. Um, yeah, you know. there's a lot of egos, and there's a lot of like the push and the pull. You want to hire people for what they do, but you also want them to serve your vision. Right. And it's yeah, it, and 
And not to put the, the not to put the blame on them. Yeah. It's just I mean, it's really about knowing like what is it going to take for me to capture this song in the way that works for me. Yeah. And, and really like because only I know or only the songwriter mm. knows like the real essence of what. Mm the core of that song yeah. as it was written is supposed to be absolutely and, and sometimes different. it's supposed to morph into something else mm-hmm. after after it's written but there's always that you know they, like Ooh, there's I a know. lot of producers that love to hear the demos like yeah. the rough demos where where the song was born mm-hmm. before like thinking about how it should be because there's always something in that moment it's like first takes like yeah whenever you do a first take there's always that yeah magic to the first take isn't that weird like when you're comping vocals half the time you use about like at least for me i'm usually like 40 to 50 percent first and second take yeah at least maybe not even probably even more yeah because you're not thinking about no it. no you're 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 feeling it and you're expressing it and you, when you start to beat out the inspiration behind it to get the, everything exact you can kind of lose a lot of that that's the problem with the. Uh, um, with a lot of modern recording is we, we miss out the idea that, oh, wait, a human's playing this. Yeah. I was listening to, um, to Yo-Yo Ma uh, the other day. He was doing mm. some Bach sonatas and that kind of thing. And I, I had it cranked really loud, and you can hear him breathing. Yeah. And, I'm going, and, uh, and for me, I, I had that immediate moment of going like, oh, man, I couldn't have done a better job of cutting out that breathing. <laughs> and, and I go like, wait a minute, this is a dude, right. not a machine. Well, he is a machine, but like this is a man playing yeah. it. I should be able to hear him. He, he has to breathe. Yeah, you know? and that that was a – that's actually a big point of what I was going for and what I had in my head and what I got out of that session that mm-hmm. we did in November was when I listened back to it, the first thing that I said was, I love this because it's living and breathing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's all I wanted was like, I want these songs to live and breathe in the recordings that are capturing them, you know, Mm -hmm. so that, because, you know, that's, that's the truest, uh, you know, expression of the song, like it is when you can really like, it pulls you in, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It feels like more of a, a capturing moment of time wherein you played it as opposed to like this project that you've been cleaning and preening and making just like absolutely homogenized. Yeah. I mean, I've done, I've done so many recording projects over the years that, you know, we, what they turned out to be in the end was, is good. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with a lot of stuff and there's some moments that are better than others, but, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it was a lot of that piecemeal kind of like doing it over a span of time where you're just doing like, Oh, we're going to do, mm. let's get that session in this week to do that keyboard. Part, yeah. You know, and there's something about that. I mean, I, I can appreciate it on a certain level, but I mm. got to the point where I was like, I, no more. I don't yeah. want to do that anymore. Yeah. And I did, I had done a project where we started out setting up in a friend of mine's house with all this great outboard gear. We mm-hmm. brought it in. We, we had two weeks to just do nothing but record in this guy's house. And it was a great setup. Mm-hmm. We were getting good sounds and everything. There's certain things we could have done better, but it was like the right idea. Mm-hmm. But then I ended up taking it to a producer friend of mine who's, extremely talented and everything but he really took the approach of we're going to go through all these takes Mm -hmm. and we're going to pick out all the best parts and comp like just have this comp festival Uh over months and months of time i mean it was taking four hours just to comp one track and i got to the point where i was like i never ever want to go through this again like this is not making music Mm -hmm. to me and so i i really did say after that project i was like no more i don't Mm want to do this anymore so the next project we did we self-produced with my band and we had a rehearsal studio and and Van Nuys that we had a whole live setup where Mm. we could play live Mm. we were getting really cool sounds and and we made it to where it's like we're all going to do live guitar bass and Mm -hmm. drums if we don't get a full song full take 
live, we need to practice more. Yeah. And I liked that idea mm-hmm. a lot. But then after that, in the, po- in the post-production of, like, overdubs and everything, it was that whole thing of, like, oh, let's get that vocal this one day. And, mm-hmm. and, and just wasn't capturing any magic at, yeah. at that point. And, and uh, we did get some really good stuff out of it. But, it's, again, it was that unsettling feeling. Yeah. Like, I'm, I just don't feel like these songs are being, like, represented yeah. the best way that they could be. And, the, and I really, you know, certain songs maybe I'll be like, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Other songs, I'm like, no, this is like a – this song should be better. Yeah. I don't want this to be the definitive version because I know it's better. Mm-hmm. So – I mean, I, maybe that's, again, maybe it's a perfectionist quality that's mm-hmm. kind of gotten in my way, and I'm sure it has. But mm-hmm. I think the approach to doing it in this, like, we're going to do a whole chunk of time where we're nothing but focused on mm-hmm. making a record. Yeah. Like, that's how, what I set out to do. It's like, I don't want to just do a, little, a day here, a day there. I yeah. want to do, like, a solid amount of time and really get into it. And well, you're always chasing the inspiration, right? That's yeah, exactly. in every moment that we're doing. Uh, we're, we're, you know, George Harrison said, "Never, never stop uh, writing a song. Whenever it comes to you, always finish it, no matter if you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Just finish it. You can tweak it later, but once it's gone, yeah. it's gone. And then you're, you're you're having to, you know, it's 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 just the allegory of the cave. You know, it's just mere representations of things and not right. a, the actual thing that comes through. And I'm guilty of that too. Oh, I'm like, very yeah, guilty. I got I got that line. I'll come back to that. I'll remember that." <laughs> I go through my phone I have and go like hundreds and hundreds of like <laughs> little pieces. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. 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 Well, dude, let's go back a bit. Cool. You were. Uh, what did your parents do? Where, where were you raised? Um, I was raised all over the country. That's my dad right. was in the navy. Mm-hmm. Um, what they, was he? What was he in the navy? Uh, well, he was an officer in the uh-huh. navy, a uh, civil engineer. Okay. Um, he and my mom were high school sweethearts in, oh. out in a small town of Mineral Point, Wisconsin. Wow. And uh, to get out of the small town, mm-hmm. my dad joined the Navy. And um, they went to the University of Wisconsin. And then after that, he joined the Navy and and, uh, and uh, went off to, you know, on mm-hmm. ships and things like that for a while. But uh, we ended up every two or three years, you know, after I was born and... And everything moving around, mm. like coast to coast. You know, I mean, oh, I've wow. lived in Long Beach, Monterey, Oxnard. I mm-hmm. lived up in Seattle, lived in Virginia, lived wow. in Rhode Island, lived in Pensacola, Florida, and lived in Iceland. Wow. Even. When, um, when would you live in Iceland? Man? I lived in Iceland my sophomore and junior year of high school. <laughs> oh, man, those are the hardest years, dude. Yeah, it proves to be pretty traumatic oh. in a way in my life. You know, God, I mean, really? I've, I've definitely accepted it, but it's it, it was hard. Mm-hmm. Like my brother's four years younger than me, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to see how all that moving around affected him differently because he was just in a different place in his mm-hmm. life. Four years younger, you know. I mean, I'm in high school. Yeah. He's like still in elementary to junior high school, and he's not quite in that developmental place where it's like so important. And mm-hmm. by the time, like, he ended up, excuse me, he ended up finishing high school. Like, I moved from Iceland to Virginia Beach to finish, like, my senior year in high school was, like, moving to a new place. Golly. That's tough. And my brother actually ended up having to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. After my dad retired, they moved to Springfield, Missouri, Mm because he got a a job working for Missouri State University. Mm -hmm. And so my brother had to move there 
for his senior year in high school. So we both had that experience. But he's also, my brother's also been there since. Mm -hmm. And so he has all the relationships of friends. He was able to build that afterwards. But yeah, yeah, you were. But for me, it's just like I just kept getting jolted around. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I've, you know, it's interesting because, I mean, I look back and, you know, psychoanalyzing myself uh-huh. over the years is like, wow, you know, I have a very, very much of a loner quality. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because of that, because I, it was like, yeah, I had my family, but, it, but you know. You, you had a coping mechanism. You can't make friends me. because yeah. you get uprooted every two years right. like an itinerant yeah. farm worker. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's, mm-hmm. it's, but I appreciate it now, obviously, more than... Then uh, at that time, I was I was pretty mad at the mm. time, and and I look back and I did have some good experiences in Iceland for sure. Mm. I could have appreciated it more, but I mean, a pissed off teenager can only appreciate it so yeah. much. And stupid volcanoes and glaciers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, the, and you know, for that too, like the the naval base that was there, which is actually no longer there, mm. um, it. Is like they when Iceland decided they were gonna hmm. give the U.S. a place to set up a base. They're yeah, like, you, know. uh, you can do it over there. It's <laughs> like not, looks like the moon over there. Like, that's not, fine. We don't care about these that rocks. Part. You can have all those rocks. Yeah, exactly. All this other beautiful land. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. And actually, I hear I've heard stories that they actually NASA does like training exercises in Iceland because, because the ter- the terrain is so much like the moon. Desolate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and we, what's even funnier is like before. So I was living in in Washington State, in mm-hmm. Bremerton, Washington, which is across. I love the Bremerton. Man, yeah. You know Bremerton? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I I, uh, I actually, I mean, I have a, a lot of like, you know, dear history with people and and my experiences in Bremerton, Washington, because mm-hmm. it was when I I was there when I was in the sixth grade, so finishing elementary school yeah. all the way to the end of ninth grade. Oh, yeah. Junior high school. So that's like a pretty major developmental time. Yeah. You know, starting to figure uh, out who you are, maybe like experimenting, putting stuff out there. Socially. And like I, you know, I was being accepted and Uh I had like all these friends and these great times, you know, I I had great times. So to be pulled away from that was, and and we were actually there for five, four or five years, Mm -hmm. which was the longest I'd ever lived in one place, too. So So your guard's starting to come down a little bit. Yeah. It was, and then all of a sudden, I mean, we've talked about Okinawa, Yuma, Mm -hmm. Arizona. Arizona, and then all of a sudden it was like no Iceland. <laughs> and at the time, mm-hmm. what was really frustrating was there was a commercial, a Seven Up commercial, if I remember right, mm-hmm. on the radio. Yeah. And the pun of the joke was Iceland. I can't remember what it was. I wish I could remember what it was, but I just remember hearing that, and I'm like, "Oh, great! Like, <laughs> we're moving to that's a joke. where I'm fucking moving. Like, <laughs> we're going to a awesome. Seven Up joke. Yeah. Oh man. Mm. And and you know, and at that time, of course, there's no Facebook, there's no, no. internet, there's no. I mean, long distance calling to Iceland is ridiculous. Yeah. And so, I'm like. See ya to all my friends. I had I, I had this great girlfriend, oh, that, man, you know, this first girl, love, or oh. this this girl that I was like really into, and and uh, it was like now I have to leave, that, you know. And it's and I'm trying to write letters for mm-hmm. a while, and, and they're writing back, but then over the fade, over the months, fade, or whatever, it's gone. yeah, it's like man. Mm-hmm. But what's cool about Facebook is I have actually reconnected with a lot of those people. Well, that's cool, yeah. dude. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a whole interesting journey. Absolutely. No, no, nothing was going on musically in Iceland just yet. That's where I started really, because I didn't have anything else to do. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I started playing guitar. I was, well, let's 
backing up, I, I started out in in a high school band mm-hmm. and playing saxophone. Okay. I was a tenor sax player and did pretty well. I had to do a catching up because I didn't do the fifth and sixth grade mm-hmm. uh, introduction. To oh, so this is Bremerton. Uh, Bremerton, yeah. yeah. And, and I actually studied uh, saxophone for a summer it, in the basement of this music school. Uh, music store with this old jazz cat, and oh, I didn't know anything. But but looking back, I'm like, wow, I bet I, I should have gotten to know that guy yeah. better because I mean, he was probably this badass. Yeah, you know? and and he basically got me up to speed over two years of introductory, you know, band mm-hmm. instrument stuff. You know, like learning how to play the instrument. Um, he gave me a crash course for like mm-hmm. a few months so that I could join the the uh, the freshman band. Mm-hmm at my school and be up to speed or at least close, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we did that and, and it worked out to where, you know, I had, had to kind of be on my toes at first, but then I got into it and eventually kind of kept going and, and ended up in getting into the advanced band early and and things like that. Why the saxophone? Just, uh, I don't know, something about, I tried drums and was uh-huh. like, this is boring. And <laughs> <laughs> my dad was the one that was always like, you know, I really think you should play the guitar because it's great. You like get parties, you Whoa. can pull out the guitar, and like, Dad, he thought it was so cool. And Dad I was like, for the yeah. win, yeah. But you know, and at the time, like I was like, you know, I discovered Guns N' Roses yeah. and all this, and and so I wanted to play guitar, and I started to pick it up little by little, and started mm-hmm. learning chords and playing "Every Rose Has mm-hmm. Its Thorn" and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. But then uh, it wasn't until I got to Iceland that I met this guy who, uh, this guy Chris Sennett, who. Um, it's funny. I mean, it's like a movie. I mean, he was the guy like you meet. You're meeting everybody that's mm-hmm. in Iceland, all the kids my age and everything. And we go to the arcade, ah. and they're showing me around and everything. And then I see this guy who's got tattoos and like you know, yeah. bleach blonde, spike hair, and yeah. he's like this rocker dude. And who's I'm like, who is guy? that guy? <laughs> I want to know that guy. And they're like, oh, stay away from him. <laughs> and of course, that he ended up being my best friend. Of course. And we went back to my place, and and he saw that I had a guitar, and he starts playing Stairway. Uh huh. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> teach me that. <laughs> Learn me. Learn and, me. I mean, and he literally went through my tape collection, which was a bunch of. I mean, I, I looking back, I had I was onto something. Uh-huh. I had some good stuff, but I also had some really awful yeah. like freaking Paula Abdul uh, and hey. Madonna and stuff like that. <laughs> and and he he actually said, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll trade you some of my tapes for your tapes. So he literally took all like my Madonna and, mm-hmm. Paula and all that you know cheesy pop stuff mm-hmm. and replaced it with like Zeppelin, uh-huh. The Stones, <laughs> I gotta Aerosmith, help this kid, Ozzy, yeah. <laughs> and like. Blew my freaking mind, yeah. You know? And of course, I'm sure he threw all those tapes away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was huge, huge for me. And I literally would stay in my room for eight hours a day, oh, like playing and trying to learn how to play mm. all that Zeppelin stuff and and Ozzy and Black mm-hmm. Sabbath. And and uh, I actually just recently found a cassette tape that says Joel's first days on the guitar, and I got. <laughs> find out what's oh you got to dude you got to you got to release that yeah 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 yeah. so it's yeah i mean that's basically where it all started my brother you know just kind of mimed me for a while Mm -hmm. um you know and just i'd end up teaching him everything that i knew and and you know after i left for college he just went (laughs) now he's like he's this incredible guitar player Mm -hmm. that just you know smokes me (laughs) for sure (laughs) Yeah, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, we we basically just came up musically out of just you know 
leaning on each other yeah. and leaning on the music for you know just something to identify with and and to do and you're an angry teenager in the yeah. middle of nowhere you know and literally on the moon so to speak for all <laughs> yeah, intents right. and purposes i mean like i'm yeah. sure if you were, went to Reykjavik now as a high schooler you'd be able to connect with all your friends on facebook skype them and right, then also right, say like right. yeah i'm gonna go see sigur Ross in their practice space yeah because yeah. now there's that but exactly. maybe back then i mean yeah yeah i mean i've and i've thought a lot about that recently of just you know the time window of where I grew up in terms of how much things have changed. And I'm really appreciative of that, you know, because to kind of know the old world. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had so many people now that, you know, we, we are around in, you know, working Mm -hmm. or or at the bars or whatever, Mm -hmm. like they're growing up and you realize that where, like when they were born or when they were coming up in high school and everything there already was the internet and cell phones and yeah. all this stuff and it's just a trip you know my like talking about that studio that i'm going to record in my you know we recorded all analog yeah like, that I, was the way to do it yeah and you gotta if you I'm gotta so glad i had that experience yeah you know? and, and then if you want to punch in you know if you you want to make you have to it's it's oh, yeah. it's it's a NASA launch to be able yeah. to do that in comparison to just kind of going like how many measures let me watch let me watch as I'm getting ready yeah. to go in it's strange you have to really throw yourself into the musicality of it mm-hmm. and, and listen yeah. so you went to college would you go to college Florida State University Florida State why Florida I, State uh, a couple reasons I graduated in Virginia Beach Virginia and because my parents were in the Navy they claimed residency in Florida so it okay. opened up my options for schools and I just really at the time another thing about that there was not a lot of progressive music schools mm-hmm. for college anyways um it was like classical or like jazz and like you know things like that but you know you're going to like Berkeley and things like that yeah. if you want to do that. And it's very expensive. And, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't have a ton of money to go spend on me going to college. And I just wanted to, I, I didn't have any interest in anything but something music related at that yeah. point. So to me, I was like, well, like Florida State turned out had to have this great uh, professor that headed up this great guitar, classical guitar program. Mm-hmm. And I was into Randy Rhodes. <laughs> so, so I'm like, yeah, like, let's do that. So I go to my guitar instructor in Virginia Beach. who was this, this total stoner mm-hmm. surfer dude. That, and he had this technique of this, like, Eddie Van Halen's Double like, tap, yeah. tapping yeah, thing. Yeah. And everything he ever taught me guitar-wise was trying to teach me how to be him, uh-huh. which after a while I caught on. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want, the, I don't want to wear I went your mantle. To, yeah, <laughs> I went to him and I said, man, I need to get into this classical guitar program. Uh-huh. You need to help me. And he's like, dude, I got, I know exactly what you need. <laughs> he's like, I got this Bach piece that's, that's going to blow everybody away, man. Mm-hmm. So he teaches me this whole thing. And I spent a long time really learning how to do all that because it was, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And I got it down and I ended up going down to the, the professor. And it was literally, this was like out of a movie too. You know, it's the big library office, oh. you know, like at something like uh, Dead Poets Society uh-huh. or something. And you sit down with him. It's just me and him. Very mm-hmm. nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. And he's like a renowned instructor or professor, I mean. And uh, I sit down with him and I play this piece. And it's like... Mm-hmm. You know, like all that kind of stuff. And uh, he... After I get done, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, pretty much got that. I, I messed I up a couple times, but mm-hmm. I think I, I think I did pretty good. And he goes... Uh, the first thing we have to understand here is 
This piece is called Sarabond, which means something like slow and melodic and oh. everything. I'm just like, oh, my no. God. No. Damn, you stoner oh, dude. Oh, man. And, uh, and yeah, he just, and so he's like, so it's a little more like this. And he plays this whole like eloquent, like uh-huh. beautiful. Like, and I'm like, wow. I just pissed all over this piece. You know, like, what am I doing? I have no Ligato. business being here. Ligato. I might as well just walk out right now and he uh he sat with me for a little while and and um and he put me through okay and i maybe he just saw something in me i mean i'm you know i don't know Mm -hmm. but um i was a terrible student yeah i because i was the first time i had been on my own Mm -hmm. i got caught up with meeting a whole bunch of new people and ended up in a band playing bars mm-hmm. every night to where the my one-on-one instructors would I'd come in and my finger would be all thrashed from playing the night before and I'd be like dude we had an epic night last <laughs> night man it was packed and we had like all these girls there man and we, we got paid and everything and he's like you're wasting your time and I'm like what are you talking about the whole reason I'm in college with music is so that I can make money at it right right and I'm doing that already I'm yeah. the head of the game I, I did not and he's like go, man. you're wasting your time mm-hmm your development is being completely screwed up by like playing with a pick and playing out and mm-hmm. like you're look at your nails. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm yeah, just yeah. like, oh my god, <laughs> fuck oh, you, geez, you know. Yeah. And so, and then I was, you know, I missed classes and and, and I, I don't know. It's just it was it was tough because it was like everything was so new. It was like mm-hmm. overwhelmed with new and on my own. And, yeah. and then at the same time, I'm supposed to be really serious about mm-hmm. this thing that I did want to do. And I watched these graduate students who were incredible, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, wow, I would love to learn how to do that. But I got to the point where it's like, okay, I'm getting in with some really cool local musicians playing some of the best nights in town mm-hmm. to full rooms and people are into it and yeah. I'm getting into writing songs and you know and I'm like I feel like I have more of a future following this path than mm-hmm. following the classical guitar route which yeah. it's like what's in it for me then unless I'm I mean there's only it's like the one percent of people yeah. that are classical guitar players that are actually going to make an awesome living mm-hmm. otherwise it's, you're you know you're doing hotel lobbies guitar. or you're teaching classical guitar mm-hmm. or you know, maybe soundtrack stuff and all that. But I mean, you're a dime a dozen of yeah. that kind of thing. And so I'm like, I just, the development and the dedicate, every, I got to the point where I was like, I like rock and roll and mm-hmm. I want to write songs. Mm-hmm. And I like this whole scene of like, you know, the, all the, 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 there's a lot more women in rock women and roll. And yeah. And yeah. I mean, also I eventually, I eventually just was like, you know, uh, I can't keep doing this. And, and the band that I, that I, we had started out of, college soul food mm-hmm. was uh was was cool it was doing you know at that at that time there was we were onto something yeah. you know and uh so i just wanted to really follow that so i i was done after two years of uh, yeah. basically liberal arts and then mm-hmm. doing some of this classical guitar uh you know program and everything but um yeah so i mean that, and then from there it's just been like chasing the dream and yeah. you know I've, i we ended up in rhode island with a summer job and uh decided to stay up there and then eventually we were touring up and down the coast for years doing the college markets in yeah. the southeast and that proved to be pretty successful for mm-hmm. us and and we a lot of our friends were down in the south and then not to mention the winners in new england just it's like no. you just want to get out. You really do. Yeah. yeah. If you don't die first. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So we eventually relocated to Atlanta, mm-hmm. 
because that was a good hub and yeah and, uh, for for well, what we were for the touring we were doing mm-hmm. that was a good middle ground. You guys didn't think about Nashville or anything? Not at the time. No, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's for country folk. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I think it was just because of all the connections. Like, you know, my, my old bandmate was from Gainesville, Georgia, which mm-hmm. is outside of like 45, 45 minutes outside of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And um, and a lot of our friends that, that we were, you know, were like our core group of uh, people and musicians and all that were all kind of centralized out of Atlanta and just made sense. Mm-hmm. Nashville, we would play Nashville, but nothing was drawing us to nashville and nashville wasn't the scene that it is mm-hmm. now at yeah. all back yeah. then so i mean it, i'm sure there were scenes but it just wasn't anything that we were yeah. tapped into just george really. Strait and hal ketchum lookalikes right, That's <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah so yeah and uh so you were touring the college markets doing that were you guys more of like a jammy band like continuing on with the theme well of it's the interesting guys yeah i mean we because yeah new england we were more of a folk trio because uh-huh. it was like two acoustic guitars we sing a lot of harmonies, like mm-hmm. intertwined harmonies and everything. We ch- shared lead. And then we had a, this a girl percussionist, mm-hmm. Jen, Jen Lowe. Um, and, uh, and that was like, all that was very, wasn't real common. Mm-hmm. It's at least in the context of what we were doing. And, and uh, so there, there was interesting things about what we were doing. And then the songs were interesting, you know, at the time. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you always look back on your old stuff and you just be like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but, uh, trust me. I, but I, there, you know, there, it definitely taught me a lot about what you, you know, how far you could go with songwriting and, and yeah. really like getting into the craft of songwriting you mm-hmm. know? and uh you know we got to play the newport folk festival it's huge man. and um you know we did a lot of cool things but when we would go down south it was it was definitely more of the jammy mm-hmm. thing to where we added a drummer and a bass player and mm-hmm. so we had the drums bass percussion and the, and we still stayed on acoustic guitars yeah i'd play acoustic guitar with a wah pedal yeah. and all that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's funny because our our producer steve rizzo who i'm going to do this record with at the time he was so hell-bent on keeping us a, an acoustic trio he was mm-hmm. like i'm telling you guys i know you want to rock i know you want it but if you stick with this it's gonna mm-hmm. pay off i'm telling you yeah and we just didn't listen and looking back i totally know what he was talking about yeah there was something to be said for that so. yeah what are you gonna do so you now gonna i'm do? going back to make it right <laughs> there you go man there you go you, you can't always change the past but sometimes you you can literally yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you're a revisionist so wh- how long were you there in atlanta doing that atlanta we we officially moved there in 1996 um you know we we were there a lot in Mm -hmm. 90 late 94 95 Mm -hmm. when we were touring because we would we would for the summer or the winters i mean we would literally go down south and stay down there between we would hub out of atlanta or tallahassee Mm -hmm. florida where we all met um, and we would either do Florida or Georgia and go to Alabama, Mississippi, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Tennessee and all that. And, uh, we would stay down there for two months at a time wow. just to avoid the winners. Uh-huh. Cause there was no, mu- I mean, we, we were literally doing it like mu- three musketeers. Like, you know, if, if we weren't making money, we weren't living Yeah, and we didn't make a ton of money. I mean, we were dirt poor, but yeah. we were living the dream, you yeah. know, and and uh so we had to go where the money was i mean it was literally like that and um so the winters yeah i mean the summers were very fruitful in the mm-hmm. in the 
in New England. Um, Playing yeah, festivals and all that vibe. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in Newport alone, I mean, we we would play all the different places, and everywhere would have live music in mm-hmm. the winter, and it's a beautiful place to be in. The, I mean, in the summer, sorry, mm-hmm. not the winter. Um, and uh, but yeah, the winter time was just a ghost town, mm-hmm. and so yeah, we would be gone for two months at a time. We'd come back for a couple weeks, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> see, see my girlfriend, and be like, "Sorry, babe, we got to go back <laughs> for two months." And yeah, that that war on that relationship, mm-hmm. but um. Yeah, and then eventually it just made sense, mm-hmm. you know, that, and then that, that was that. So, 96, and then um, that band broke up a year later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what was the start? How'd that happen? We grew apart, I think, yeah. and just, you know, every, that's the thing about band, you know, when you're doing, like, I mean, everybody starts to get inspired by different things, and mm-hmm. other things become important, and yeah. uh, it just kind of the change was a little too much and it just, we lost focus on yeah. what it was all really about. And I think it was just time, you yeah. know, really. And, uh, you know, that kind of pushed me like, okay, what am I doing now? And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, maybe I should really make a go for this on my own. Yeah. And then it was just really trying to figure that out. And, and, uh, you know, I had, I went through some, some good stuff of kind of discovering myself as a, as a musician and artist that I could, depend on myself you know Mm -hmm. but um i uh eventually met my ex-wife sally Mm -hmm. sally j um and we were playing gigs all around there for a while and we just got to the point where like you know what we want something more yeah and we decided we're gonna get married and and like we're like sky's the limit where do we want to go let's get out of atlanta yeah and uh you know in atlanta i learned a lot there was a lot of like you know, some of where I'm at now and what I'm majorly influenced by now mm-hmm. in terms of like all the soul and, and blues stuff mm-hmm. and everything. I mean, a lot of that like was early R and B kind of a vibe. Yeah. Too. I mean, I, you know, I got to be around the scene where Indie IRE came up yeah. and you know, I played with Indie IRE a few times and, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, really, she really inspired me and like turned me on to some stuff that I didn't like i had never heard somebody really sing like that Mm -hmm. that i at least was that close to yeah and uh and i was like wow you know and then just the music was like hearing her like the first time i ever heard grandma's hands by bill withers Mm -hmm. was her doing it and i'm and i'm like that song is amazing and you know Mm -hmm. she was just great so you know and which you know has definitely led to a lot of the inspiration and influence that i have nowadays but um we just we needed to get out of there something was kind of like digging a hole Mm -hmm. there and and both of us felt it and so we're like all right where are we gonna go Mm -hmm. it could be new york nashville austin seattle la Mm -hmm. and her mom and and sister were already out here and she would come to visit a lot and Mm -hmm. and she loved it she was always inspired and I literally was like, I like the beach. Yeah. I like, I like, I like the weather. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Yeah. This feels And like... I didn't even come out here at first to, just, to make sure. I just was like, let's go. Pull the trigger. Impulsive. And so we did that. And, uh, and it was, it was awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and then we ended up putting on the way out here, we decided to start a band together, which uh-huh. at first I was like, no, that's a bad idea. Yeah. That's going to totally ruin our marriage. Mm-hmm. And she talked me into it, and it turned out to be really great yeah. for five years. And it turned, I mean, at the end of it all, we really had something cool mm-hmm. that was that was happening. But uh, 
but yeah, it eventually did get us, you yeah. know, so, yeah. but you know, again, it's one of those things, it's just, you know, life happens and, mm-hmm. and things pull you in different directions and I, and that. so yeah. I totally understand working with your spouse is a difficult Yeah, that animal. was a, that was a, that was a tricky challenge and, and, uh, it, you know, yeah. and it got the best of us in a lot of ways for yeah. sure, but you know, but I, I wouldn't change it at the same time because it was, it was a great experience. We made some great music and had, you know, some mm. good, good experience. And the good thing is we're really close now and, mm-hmm. and very supportive of each other. That's and, amazing in and of yeah. itself, being amicable with uh, yeah. someone that we went through all that stuff with. And then, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had a really cool relationship, have a really cool relationship to where it's like, you know, I, I did when it all came down, I was just like, you know, it sucked. And we went through a lot of rough times mm. after, after it all. But, but, we were able to just kind of appreciate what we, you know, what we had at the core, mm-hmm. and it's like one of those things where, well, just because the relationship didn't work out doesn't mean mm-hmm. we have to lose everything because that would be a shame. So yeah. we worked hard to make sure that that was. It's insanely you know, mature, you guys, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm proud of us. Yeah, for it, yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, like, I cannot tell you how many times people get petty even in the relationships they're currently in. Yeah, yeah. I know, and yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's, yeah. Relationships are a challenge for sure. Yeah, you know, dude. Especially being a musician, I find. You got to find a very special person that's willing to put up with a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, if we're not actually physically gone, then we're there doubting ourselves and needing a pump up. Yeah. You know? And one way or another, I cannot tell you how many times my wife just, like, now now she's in the mode where she just goes like, like, all right. You're great. People don't understand how great you are. At some point, you're going to make it, and it's all going to be... We're going to look back on this, and she's just doing it by rote. And I'm going like, I know she means it, but she's had to say it so many different times. And me just kind of going like, I suck, I suck. I'm going to die in obscurity. <laughs> no one's... I'm just going to... It's going to be a blip on the timeline of humanity. And then... Yeah. Yeah, so you got to... I mean, I've... Is there a version of a musician that isn't a narcissist or self-conscious, really? I mean... I haven't met... I haven't, maybe they're all classical guitarists. <laughs> Maybe I don't know though. I think classical guitarists have some super egos. That is true. That is true. With their flourishing and all that stuff, because they you know? think they're better than everyone. Of course like, they do. You guys just don't understand. Oh yeah, you guys carry the mantle over there in the middle of a Holiday Inn <laughs> where you're playing the, <laughs> right. the lobby. You know. Yeah, it's funny. Like those guys can be in the Holiday Inn mm-hmm. and still think they're better than everybody. Like you guys just don't get it. Exactly. Do you know how many people were eating uh, eating dinner at my last gig? Zero, because they were there for me, motherfucker. <laughs> do with that, you classical guitarists. Oh, you fuck. Man. You fucking back background music oh the war the war so you, you got out here and and uh the band fizzled the marriage the marriage ended this was how long ago that was in 2005 that 2005. everything blew up okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean i literally my whole world re- really got rocked you know and and, and you know but it's it, again it's i take it as it's just life happening man you mm-hmm. know and and in some ways i mean hey i got some of the best songs i have yeah you know in the after not not necessarily in the aftermath of that, mm-hmm. but just after that whole experience of mm-hmm. just, I mean, I lost my whole life was my marriage and my band. Yeah. And both of were gone and both were suddenly gone in a mm-hmm. flash. And it was, you know, did you have any uh, was, reaction, like, any drinking reaction, any like <laughs> down the rabbit hole? Don't talk to anybody reaction. I, I mean, that? I went, I went a little crazy with, yeah. I didn't, I mean, yeah, I mean, I did for yeah. sure. You know, I, I got my party on. Yeah. <laughs> I got my single guy on. I you know, I but, get the uh, intimations you're saying. Yeah, I mean, but I never, I, I've never been one to to push to extremities. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. You know, I like, I like to to 
you know, right on the edge, I guess, to a yeah. certain degree, but yeah. not dangerously, you know yeah. what I mean? Or, and not, I like, I've always been, you know, wanting at least trying to consider people's feelings mm-hmm. and, and making sure I'm not, not being you know, a tyrant being, with their lives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, but yeah, I definitely kind of went a little crazy, I suppose. Mm. But, yeah. You know, rock and roll. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> Chalk it up to one rock and roll unit. Yeah. 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 But the, and if anything, it was like I got so in into the, that headspace because you know it's like you you're married and then suddenly yeah. you're not married. And yeah. it's like well, someone I'm just off. fucking off now. Like yeah. it's only me that mm-hmm. I have to worry about. And and uh, you know so. But then what I found was to actually get me back out of that mm-hmm. got to be tricky for a little while. Oh yeah, in terms of just uh, mostly in terms of relationships, like yeah. really getting my head back on straight with like you know, not being so self-absorbed yeah. and, and all that. And if anything, but, I'm still dealing with it. Yeah, <laughs> but, I understand, but, you know, I understand. I, I have a narrative going on in my own head all the time. Like, but what about me? Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, that, that had to be hard, like getting back into relationships after going like, listen, I know I've been where this could eventually end up, like the very end of it, mm-hmm. marriage. I, I, you know, and then having to, you know, like, not you, not you, not you. Not yeah, you. I know. It's But it's so tricky because, I mean, everything's case by case, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you have to be careful about bringing your your past history lessons uh, yeah. in, into all that, you mm-hmm. know. But yet at the same time, you're smarter and wiser for it. So it's like, it's just yeah. a, such a fine line. Yeah. It's tricky. And then you throw in the musician, mm. narcissism and all that stuff. And yeah. Like, God, I don't know how musicians have children. I don't know how we work it out. You know, well, a, I know um, how they have. Oh, children. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so that school in Iceland really did its job. They told they give you good education. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a matter of actually the responsibility yeah, of the children. I yeah. think is the heart. Yeah, that's, the, the, that's the part that I. The rest yeah, of how, their do, lives. how is any musician like, a actually a parent yeah. and responsible? Oh man! So when did you start working over at uh, Room Five doing the? The booking the, and sound. Well, that happened. Um, you know what I what I was doing for most of the the first five to pretty much five to eight years, I guess. Of uh, I don't remember. It was kind of there was a, between two thousand five and two thousand eight. There was like I I was doing a lot of construction is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get out um, as my job, and I mm-hmm. I worked up to being a pretty you know, fairly accomplished finished carpenter okay. working on big multi-million dollar houses and you know that's, that's working like 40 60 hours a week and yeah. and you know it's a lot of work and exhausting and i was still going out and doing gigs and and i would i was running i was always playing shows at room five and when jay nash was booking it and eventually i started picking up like sound gigs here and there just to make some extra money mm-hmm. and i found that i was good at it and uh because i always ran sound for bands that i was in or for me when i was doing gigs in atlanta or touring or whatever and um so i was doing that and then eventually like around 2008 i guess it was i think um i lose track now but Mm -hmm. um jay was getting so busy with his touring and his own music career that he was just kind of letting his booking and curating of room five just kind of go by the wayside and he'd Mm -hmm. given up a lot of nights and other promoters had come in and some of them really sucked and and um we're just kind of creating a bad name for this place it just wasn't the same you know and when Jay was really doing it uh, in around 2003, 2004, it was rocking, you know, mm-hmm. along with Hotel Cafe coming up and everything. And uh, so 
he saw an opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was one part of it. But the other part of it was like, I could pass this on to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, you know, it's so – but it was a good opportunity, really, because what it ultimately ended up happening was I took it over and – at the same, so I was doing that, doing the construction, but then the housing market collapsed. Yeah, and bubble burst. All the jobs dried up, and I was able to to keep jobs in construction for a while after most people stopped working. Mm-hmm. But I knew it was going to run out, and so when luckily I had that opportunity to see the end mm-hmm. and to set myself up. Yeah rather than the whole bottom dropping out. And so I took the challenge of like, all right, I got to make this booking thing work. Mm-hmm. And I just got really into it. I'm, and I, you know, I was inspired by, uh, I always had a vision of room five um, because of places in Atlanta, like Eddie's attic. Yeah. And there's a place that used to be there called the Ying Yang cafe in Midtown Atlanta. That was basically where um, Indie IRE came up. And they used to have Jill Scott and The Roots and mm-hmm. Erica Badu and like all these killer new soul artists were playing there. And it was a great vibe. I would go there. It was just like the coolest mm-hmm. intimate like community yeah. vibe with just great music. And I just always I just had this vision that Room Five could be like that. You yeah. know, and so I took up the challenge and just worked my ass off to yeah. really start getting into the booking and try and put together shows and trial and error. And now I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. So, I mean, it, and uh, we've now we're booking uh, me and, and my partner, Shannon, are booking every night aside from Sundays. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's turned into something really cool. Again, yeah. it took a long time and we had to, you know, I, I had to kind of get the bad people Blood out, out yeah. you know, and uh, and just kind of help rebuild the reputation and, yeah. and get it sounding great. And, and, uh, yeah. And over time it's been really cool and, and, uh, it's given me the opportunity to, to work with a lot of great up and coming artists and, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot. It's been a great opportunity. It got me out of construction. I didn't have yeah. to do construction after a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that was good because I don't know I don't know what that would have looked like if I didn't have that to fall back mm-hmm. on. And the, the idea of actually falling back on music is a joke to me yeah. because I just, <laughs> I just think about that and I just like because my dad is always in the back of my head is like you know what's your backup plan yeah. from like years and years mm-hmm. ago he always used to say that most, civil engineer yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. You know? and he's like what's your do you have a backup plan and I'm like. Yeah, I do have a backup plan. It's music. Like, <laughs> what the hell? Who would have thought? But it, it worked that mm-hmm. way. So, I mean, the only, the you know the flip side of that is that now over the years of doing that, it's very consuming, mm-hmm. and it can be very frustrating. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of frustrating things from the venue side as the curator and booker and and seeing the behind the scenes of what it takes to to make a venue happen. Yeah. Especially in L.A., truly, because is, it gets it's tricky, incredibly hard, hard to get people thing. out of their houses. Oh man! And so, because of that, I mean, I it, it has to. I have to spend so much time in my business head, and yeah. business brain, and it's an ongoing thing that never ends. Yeah. The calendar doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. There's no summer summer break. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. and, and, uh, and so it. it it does eat at you a little bit because, mm-hmm. and my creative headspace gets compromised a lot. And okay. so 
that's been the fight for me over the last few years or a couple years is to really get that back Uh and find the balance because Mm -hmm. I can easily just get fully absorbed into the the music thing because you know it gets me really into I love artist development and and artist discovery and and I feel like there's a real need for that and and I'm in a position and have a knack for things like that to where I want to help people yeah and I always have that in me but you know the the analogy that keeps coming up lately is like the oxygen mask on the plane like they yeah. tell you to put yours yeah. on before your kids exactly the countless uh, children go without shoes is what they say too <laughs> you know so many times you're like you're, yeah yeah it just seems easier because you you know in serving yourself something you get kind of like going well am I selfish and you know self-absorbed and all this other stuff I'm, I'm taking away from this it's easier to kind of put that into somebody else and go like, I can help you because if I have to dig through my stuff, then I I might find a boogeyman, you know? And right. I'm, then I'm going to have to, you know, yeah. go to counseling or like, you know, write 10 songs and stay up all night and cry. And I'm and the fear of failure, you know? Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, which is huge. And, you know, so I've realized that, I mean, for, to serve myself and for me to be fully satisfied and happy in mm-hmm. my life, I mean, music and playing music and writing songs mm-hmm. and, and all that is what I do best. Yeah. And it's where my real passion is. Mm-hmm. And I do have passion for these other things. And I like to think that somehow all this stuff can exist in my world mm-hmm. together and I can, I can do, do everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and I, I do believe that. And so I, I try to, to find the balance and, and play both. Cause I, I realize after touring all over the place and playing all these different venues that, it's there's those venues that really take the time to care that much more about the sound, mm-hmm. about take you know relationships with the artists. Mm, that extra thirty yeah. percent, yeah, yeah, push- it makes all the difference in the world. And Absolutely. to have that in a place like L.A. is huge, mm-hmm. and it attracts some cool things, you know. And the fact that you know working at Hotel Cafe now and Room Five, I mean, those are two venues in L.A. that if you're a singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. or even, you know, some country bands or soul bands yeah. or, you know, whatever. I mean, indie bands, you know, you find out about Hotel Cafe and Room 5 mm-hmm. because of the reputations, the yeah. reputations for great sound and the reputations for some of the artist development qualities that go on. And, yeah. and, and you know, Hotel Cafe has definitely built a name for itself. So anytime you build a name for yourself that gets around – People want to play there, and mm-hmm. and we do our part to to keep up that reputation, and yeah. you know for why people want to play there, and, mm-hmm. and we do a good job. And so, I realize how important that is for people, and as a musician, and I realize what it continues to breed too. Mm-hmm. Like it's this whole cycling, you know, more and more people. And so you, we feel, I feel like Marco and I get to see a really good snapshot of all the best up-and-coming yeah. artists. Yeah, you and Marco Schaefer, the owner of the yes, Hotel Cafe. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're all that comes through our inbox. Mm-hmm. Any, I mean, anybody that is coming to L.A. to play mm-hmm. that's really, like, has something going on, you know, they're probably going to find their way to Room 5 yeah. or the Hotel Cafe. And you guys are the scouts with your ears to the ground. Exactly. You're the first people to see them. And, you know, we don't know everybody by, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, by yeah. any means, but it. But at the same, but a lot of those people come through. And granted, we get a lot of the stuff yeah. that's not so great. But, yeah. 
but what's it's cool because you get to see people on their way up or when they're just starting out mm-hmm. and and as they develop and I love that. Yeah. I love that and I love to be a part of that in any way I can, you know. Yeah. And, and so I find that I have a real passion for that and I would like to be able to use that down mm-hmm. the road for for your greater own greater good, you know? yeah. But I need to make sure that I find the balance with mm-hmm. me as an artist and doing these things for me as yeah. well. Because if I don't have that, I, I'm yeah. You got to feed that. You got to feed that part of you, man. Yeah, yeah. I just watched this. Uh, there's a Butch uh, documentary on Butch Walker. Oh, I've heard about this it's, one. It's really good. It's yeah. done well. And I've known, or I, I mean, I've known of Butch forever. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, Atlanta briefly guy, right? knew him in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he he was touring around the same circuits that we were doing in the college markets and everything back in mid early mid nineties. He had a band called Floyd's Funk Revival, and, uh-huh. and uh, they turned ended up becoming the Floyd's, which ended up becoming Marvelous Three. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that band. I mean, you know, Butch as a performer is like one of the best. Yeah, and uh, he's great at writing like catchy pop that rock he, that tunes. He is. And and. Uh, you know, it's interesting watching that documentary because, like, he's one that's he's a true artist. Mm-hmm. That's what he does best. Yeah. But he found his way into producing other artists and had a big success in that, and that's where he's made all his money. Yeah. But he, it, the documentary just shows how dedicated he is to making sure that he always fulfills him as an artist first. Yeah. And I just, I, it was inspiring and interesting to watch that because I feel like that's a lot of what my struggle yeah. is. Yeah. And what I need to establish for myself or balance out better mm-hmm. and that's kind of what this next big push with me doing this record yeah. everything is all about and, and i think you're doing it the right way you're getting yeah. the word out about it you're doing it what, what are you doing it through uh pledge, pledge music, music. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i did i did mine with my last record with that they're great people over there yeah um, yeah. yeah it's it's been an interesting thing i mean it, it was terrifying to mm-hmm. to do because oh, yeah. you know i've i've never been one that's good at promoting myself me neither yeah and there's a lot of artists that are Aren't mm-hmm. as I find with booking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, you it's like you can sit there and say I'm not good at it all day long. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you're gonna have to figure it out. Yeah, you yeah. Know, if you're waiting around for somebody else to do it for you, you're mm-hmm. probably gonna be wait, waiting around for a long time. For a long time. Even and, if you do find who they are, then they're not gonna be able to do it in your voice. Not be able. Yeah, to do and that's the other thing about promoting is everybody has to find their way that works for them that uh-huh. that fits them and who they are and yeah and you know i mean i always used to give the excuses like well you know i highly doubt neil young and ray lamontaine are <laughs> yeah. gonna be like on facebook all the time promoting mm-hmm. their shows yeah. if they were in our position you know and it's like well yeah but mm-hmm. there's a way to do it yeah. you know and and that's just a fear that i really have pushed aside for a yeah. long time so i mean i've never been one to really like keep up a mailing list very well yeah. which is like so dumb but I know, I know. you know and i mean because i've played so many places and i've had so many people that are into what i do yeah but to keep up with them and keep them engaged i just haven't done that and so part of me doing this pledge campaign was like well i don't like i said i don't want to do a record piecemeal again i want to yeah. do it all at once so mm-hmm. the only way to do that is to have the money together yeah and <clears throat> You know, I, I'm done taking out loans and going to debt over mm-hmm. years and years that just paralyze me. Pre-sale it, man. Yeah. You got so, people that are So interested. I just was like, all right. And, then, you know, I'd, I'd uh, hung out and talked to Amy Wallace. I mean, Amy approached me a while back just because I was running Room 5 and mm-hmm. wanted to just get to know me better. And, and uh, you know, I, I 
always had it in the back of my mind, like I should do one of these. And then I watched other people do them successfully, and mm-hmm. I saw I, I, it's just good because it really puts you on the spot for like you got to figure this out. Yeah, like, you got to learn to engage your fans. And so I just took it as well. This is going to be a good lesson for me, no matter what. Of like, what's it going to take to like really get people on board and yeah. interested and and like paying attention to mm-hmm. to what I'm doing and that feels odd, gross and weird to me because it's like hey look at me you know yeah. but I mean I guess at the same time it's what you signed up for yeah music, it's true so. we're getting on, we're we're doing that every feasibly every night we'd be doing that you know yeah. getting on stage and going look at me look yeah. at me put your phone yeah. down and look at me yeah I have a hard time with that one but. Yeah. You know, again, you have to just figure out how it works for you with, you know, just find a a way to do it with some sort of integrity. And and you will. And that's what's great is we can do it all yourself. So it's, it's, yeah, it's good. So So you're going to leave in a week, leaving in a week, Mm -hmm. Wednesday, I fly out, um, starting to, we're getting right in the studio Thursday Mm -hmm. evening, Mm -hmm. starting it out and we'll be working. Hit the ground running, man. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I got a. We're looking for a ten-song record. Mm-hmm. Got one of the songs done, okay? Because we did you it in November. It, yeah. Excuse me, and um, yeah. So I'm looking to do nine songs. I have about twelve or thirteen that I'm choosing from. Okay, and I feel pretty good about. Awesome. Are you going to mix and everything, or are you going to outboard that to someone else? I think I'm going to have Steve mix it. We talked about that a little bit, yeah. and um, I think Steve and I together are going to mix it because cool. I mean mixing is something I actually would like to get into. I mean, as a front yeah. of house mm-hmm. live engineer, You're doing it all the I mean, time. I, I, I feel like I've got a pretty good knack for that. Um, and I feel like I should be able to translate that into the studio mm-hmm. and would like to, yeah. um, my only thing is I've just never really taken the hands on time to, to work with all the tricks and yeah. gear and everything. Re-amping in the and all that, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I have a learning curve to really mm. get into that, but that is something down the road that I'd like to be part of this whole artist development mm-hmm. like, aspiration that I have is to get into actually mixing records. Yeah. But, um, so, but what I can do is I can listen and I know what I want to hear and, yeah. and I know a lot of more and more about how to get that. And so, um, I'll be making notes and helping tweak the mixes, but ultimately I think Steve's going to do it because Steve's a really talented guy and awesome. he gets it, you know, and we get each other yeah. very much. So it's going to be good. Yeah. We're going to try and do it as in-house as possible. I mean, we're leaving the door open for if it feels like maybe we want to get somebody else involved. Sure. But, mm-hmm. but we're not thinking about that right now. You're streamlined. It's so, great, dude. Yeah. Well, so, uh, when did the pledge music, uh, campaign start and when's it ending? When's, <laughs> the, when's the deadline? It started, Originally, in the be- I, I I had this dumb idea of launching it the Friday before Christmas. Oh yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah, man, you live and learn with this stuff. I I you know, I'm I I am fully willing to mm-hmm. to you know, accept, accept that I, I am a complete dumbass with some of this stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we did that and. It was like one of those things, the crapshoots. Like, this could go really well uh-huh. or this could go really bad. Well, it went really bad. <laughs> and I, after the holidays, I was like, okay, can we start over? <laughs> like, more <laughs> or less, you know. And, and so we, uh, you know, we kind of reestablished the, the deadline so mm-hmm. that I could really dig into it. And so, yeah, uh, it's going to go on through February. Okay. So it ends in begin very beginning of March. All right. Which is good because then we'll be doing the record through the campaign as well. So that I can post updates about like, you know, footage of us in the studio and mm-hmm. things like that and talking about what's going on, which I think would be cool. So, yeah. So yeah, um, we're, we have 
like a little over 30 days left. We're at 60% now, which is cool. Okay, um, cool. It's a good feeling. Um, and I'd like to get that. And it'd be awesome to even exceed it because uh, yeah. the uh, percentage of the anything over the goal is going to go to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Awesome. Um, they have a Music Gives program. It's a new program started over the last couple of years that Cheryl Crow is the spokesperson. And my, my friend Jason Gordon is... Uh, you know, very involved and help. He helped start that whole uh, division of it, and um, want to support that very yeah. much. And um, and then also just any extra money that we get, I can put into the back end of yeah. pushing this thing, promoting so, it, and getting yeah. it out to the getting out to the ears, man. Yeah, getting I really want to do it right this time. You know, just at least to put my best foot forward. You know, and, yeah. and if nothing happens from there, whatever. But mm-hmm. at least I I did it. But I yeah. feel good about it. I, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in a place where I can do this again you know yeah. and and uh i'm focusing on just doing solo shows for yeah. the moment i always love doing the band and i always get back to doing the band and you know it's still i, I go out and see shows with bands and i'm like oh man, mm-hmm. i love the band i just went and saw the wood brothers last night which oh, yeah. was incredible but um yeah which is like an in-between band because mm-hmm. they're like still very stripped down yeah. but they're anyway mm-hmm. so i uh i'm gonna do the solo thing which is gonna help me be able to go out on the road yeah realistically absolutely and that's something i really need man it's been mm-hmm. a long time well you were born and raised that way man it's probably in your blood to move really it yeah. is actually yeah i mean i'm i always used to say i'm nomadic by nature mm-hmm. um yeah and, and by nurture by <laughs> nurture yeah exactly yeah so i mean and and at the same time i mean i you know i do have that loner quality i'm very introverted as much as i am mm-hmm. extroverted and and social and all that stuff i i have both sides to me mm-hmm. and and for that creative headspace that i want to kind of marinate in mm-hmm. a little more um there's nothing like being out on the road on your oh, own yeah, dude. and just in your miles head just going behind you flying contemplating behind. things mm-hmm. and yeah yeah, I I need and you know it's it's something that I could do for a little while and be like okay mm-hmm. I'm done <laughs> you know well, but yeah. because I don't get mm-hmm. it enough it it's just something I'm very hungry for well and, it's perfect for your personality it's perfect for my personality I love being on the road because you get a lot of time alone and then you get small spikes of a lot of attention yeah. and then you get to be alone again it's yeah. the best you like love me but for a small portion of a time because I gotta sit and think I don't really want to be bothered by all your yeah yeah yeah. It's, yeah. And and I always just with learning how to deal with LA and how overwhelming LA can be and the hustle of it all. Like I I used to have a practice uh of you have to get out of LA once or once every month or every other month oh. in order to stay sane. That's a good and mm. I don't do that anymore. Yeah, but so, so you're insane right now. <laughs> I'm totally insane. <laughs> I really am. But um but yeah, I, I I feel like that's a, a, something that you you really can use to as far as like dealing with LA better yeah. and you need a palate cleanser. Clean your yeah, I was yeah. gonna say clean your palate. You gotta, so, get the, you gotta get a sorbet of anything other than that place. Yeah, yeah. So I think with doing a record, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Something that I can really sink my teeth into and feel good about and be mm-hmm. proud of. That I can then push and like pass around to people which i just haven't had anything that i feel really excited to push Mm -hmm. around past to people in a while and then to also just give me a reason to get out on the road and not be thinking oh i can't go on the road because i don't have a record yeah i'm actually taking care of that so now i have no excuse but Mm -hmm. to start getting out on the road and trying that you know you're kicking yourself out of the plane yeah yeah so 
it's yeah, it's exactly what I'm doing, and I feel great about it. It's been a long time coming, and uh, absolutely, yeah. dude. I'm yeah, proud of you, man. I'm, thanks, I'm, I'm excited to hear the tunes, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, right thanks on. for coming in, dude. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So dig on that story. Be sure to check out Joel's Pledge Music Campaign. It's great. I'm really excited to hear these new tunes. I haven't heard anything yet. He's keeping us all in suspense. But if you listen to this podcast the week that is posted, you can still pledge on that thing. Help him get to his goal and help him get the music out. It's a great thing that he's doing. Also, go over to Shark Brain Podcast to listen to all the other episodes. And go check out that Americano Mondays thing. Go to AmericanoMondays.com, click on the live sessions, and there's me and everyone else. I'm excited about it. It's a new tune. It's a baby. And I want it to be ferried out into the world with all the love and appreciation that it deserves. Because I love it. Continue to spread the word about Shark Brain. Tweet at me. Facebook post me. Do all the things that need to happen to get to me and, and send your love and appreciation criticism maybe hey i can take it i'm a grown-ass man i can deal with it love your friends and be well <laughs>